Hey there, folks. Uh, it's certainly been a while since I did a last recording for this podcast. I've just been busy for quite some time, uh, more so to keep you on the biggest update. Um, other than slowly transitioning this podcast to my Patreon account, which I'll make more posts pretty soon on Patreon, the biggest project that I'm working on and will release pretty soon is the West Coast terminology over on YouTube, my Griff Talks Football YouTube channel. Uh, when I have completed the editing process and make sure everything is good from there, I will certainly let you all know over on my Instagram, Griff Talks Football, uh, when that episode is released and so forth. Uh, I can't wait to share that episode with you. But this is a random episode, and this is something that I wanted to talk about for quite some time. The reason why I didn't publish it until, as you're listening, uh, is that I wanted to make sure that the Cleveland Browns were at least good at this point of the season, which I think we're now in week week 11 or week 12. I think it's got to be week 11 because the Browns have only played 10 games. Some of the teams are like seven and four, like the Buccaneers, who after playing the Chiefs, I think will be on their bye week. I'm pretty sure that's the case, which this is going to be a big game in itself. Uh, it might be argued as uh, America's game of the week, if you will, over on a, on a network. I can't remember on top of my head. But I wanted to make sure, again, that the Browns were good, and the Browns are currently seven and three, having played at – Three straight home games going against the Raiders. Had a bye week, two weeks prepare for Houston. And then this past week played against the Philadelphia Eagles, in which they went 2-1 and one down in that stretch. And now they're going and traveling to Jacksonville this week to take on uh, the team that's currently 1-9 on the year who some could argue are tanking for Trevor Lawrence, but, you know, who knows? Uh, I don't want to think that any team is tanking. But, you know, regardless, it sucks for a team that's 1-9, and nine, and it's good for a team that's 7-3, and three, but then there's different expectations. There's uh, different feelings. There's uh, there's fans that want coaches on a 1-9 team to be fired who claim they're tanking, there's, team, or there's fans that, you know, want a team that's 7-3 and three that now has that expectation of them making the playoffs and could easily falter. Which, that's where the Browns are now at currently. Again, 7-3. and three. And I wanted to mention, sorry about that, and I wanted to mention that the last time the Browns were technically good in recent years was 2014. 2014, at one point in the season, they were 7-4. and four, And then they lost five straight games. <laughs> they lost five straight games, and as a Cleveland Browns fan, it was irritating. <laughs> I remembered that. Um, but as they finished the season, the offense was 23rd in yards, 27th points, 20th in passing, 17th in rushing. I can go on and on about the offense stats and just – Effing terrible. They were just terrible. Uh, the defense was subpar. Like, they couldn't stop the run whatsoever. And which, if anyone remembers, especially Cleveland Browns fans, 
Uh, the head coach at the time was Mike Pettin, who's now the current defense coordinator for the Green Bay Packers, in which they're still bottom league in defending the run. And they're now dead last in the league in points allowed per game, I believe. They're pretty atrocious defensively, which was somewhat the same at that current point of the year in season for the Browns. But the reason why I bring this up again before they went 7-9 was that they were 7-4 at that point. And I can make an argument. It was not the defense is what kept the Browns playing in the, game, in the games. It was not Mike Pettin at the helm. It was... Kyle Shanahan and Brian Hoyer. Yes, Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator at the time, who's now, of course, the head coach of the 49ers. And Brian Hoyer was the main starter at the time before Mike Patton made the decision to start Johnny Manziel, I want to say, in week 15. But Brian Hoyer finished that season with like a 55 completion percentage, barely over the 3,000 passing yard mark with 12 passing touchdowns and 13 interceptions. And this is what Kyle Shanahan had to work with. And then right before, it wasn't even a year in his tenure, right before then he decided to see if he can get out of his contract. He did and ended up going in the Falcons. Um, but that was the, in recent memory, that was the last time the Cleveland Browns were even in a position to make a playoff run. And their roster was not even competitive, was not even good compared to other teams like the 2014 Steelers, the 2014 Ravens, hell, even the 2014 Texans and Bill O'Brien's first year because those teams were far more talented on the roster compared to them. And again, the only reason why they were even competitive was because of Brian Hoyer. That was it. As well as well as well as college Indian, but really mainly college Indian, not Brian Warrior. Right? Just looking at the stats, but really again, Kyle Shanahan did the best he could with that offense. And now it's a similar scheme with Kevin Stefanski running that zone run scheme. Learned it from Kubiak. It's the same terminology. I bet you they're using the same terminology as Kyle Shanahan is using with the Knights. And they're seven and three at this point, which I've said for the umpteen time, but I just wanted to emphasize the record. And their offensive ranks, you know, they're currently third in rushing, so rushing yards. Um, they're but they're twenty third in total yards. They're eighteenth in points, but they're also thirtieth in passing yards. With Arguably their most talented roster, especially on the offensive ball, offensive side of the ball, since forever. Before Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt with a torn ACL, and even with Odell being gone, it's still one of their most completed, their most talented offensive side of the ball roster. We, at least for me, I've seen as a Cleveland Browns fan. Again, Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, David Njoku. Kareem Hunt. The offensive line overall is pretty good with uh, with J.C. Treader, with uh, the rookie Wilkes, Jedrick Wilkes, I believe, uh, with soon-to-be coming back Collins. I want to say that's his last name. Well, regardless, that old line is all Pro Bowl caliber. 
Wilkes, Wilk, uh, Wilkes is still getting there. Uh, but again, he's a top 10 pick at left tackle. He's played pretty well. And not to mention Nick Chubb. We don't deserve, as a Cleveland Browns fan, uh, that team does not deserve Nick Chubb by any means. But we're so glad to have him. Oh, man. Because if we didn't have him, I bet you we would not win as many games. He's such a complete difference maker on that team. But with all this talent being said, like I said before, they're ranked 30th in passing yards with Baker Mayfield. And at this point in the season, he's, he, he's ha- he has similar stats to Brian Hoyer with six games left in the year. He's just under 2,000 yards passing, barely over 60 completion percentage. And he's got 15 passing touchdowns with seven interceptions. And if you were to take away that five passing touchdown game against Cincinnati, their second meetup, in that one interception he had in that game, he would have 10 touchdowns and six interceptions with this talented roster. And so the only reason why they're 7-3 at this point, other than some good defensive play, as well as Miles Garrett, who's still out for this week, being top five in, in sacks, um, and the running game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, that's the only reason why they're at seven and three at this point. Only reason. It is not because of Baker Mayfield. It is not because of really forced turnovers, even though they're tops in the league for that, which is a difference maker, which is a complimented fact. It is indeed a reason why they're seven and three. I shouldn't have said that earlier. But again, it's I just want to emphasize it's not because of Baker Mayfield. And it's frustrating to see how Baker has similar stats to Brian Hoyer in 2014. And Brian Hoyer was working with nothing. His biggest asset was, again, Kyle Shanahan. And the reason why I mentioned those quarterbacks is because the best quarterback, arguably, the Cleveland Browns franchise has ever had since the reboot, since 1999, was Derek Anderson. Derek Anderson only had one great season. He's retired now. It's like his last play was like 2018 with the Bills. He like started two games. Uh, but really, his greatest season was back in 07 with the Cleveland Browns. 2007, 13 years ago, where they finished 10 and 6. That defense was ass. <laughs> 30th in yards, 21 in points allowed. Just they were ass. And Roman Cornell was the head coach at the time and really why they were 10 and six was the offense with Derek Anderson, eighth in yards, eighth in points, 10th in passing, uh, 12th in rushing, I believe, or it might've been, yeah, 12th in passing, 10th in rushing, my bad. But, but really again, focus on eighth in yards and eighth in points. Derek Anderson, 56.5 completion percentage. 3,787 yards passing with 29 passing touchdowns, but an astounding 19 interceptions. <laughs> 19 interceptions. So he had one of those seasons where a quarterback, good, 29, 30, 
had 35 passing touchdowns, but like double digit interceptions, which is astounding. It's ridiculous. And yet they were 10 and 6 that year. And they don't even have this talented at that at that point in the season. Their roster is not even as talented as this current roster overall, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Their biggest production was an old Jamal Lewis who came from the Ravens that year. Um, as well as Braylon Edwards, which might be his second year, because I think he was with the Browns his rookie year in 06. And then at the time, um, I hate to say his name, um, Kellen Winslow Jr. Um, he's, let's just say uh, he's in prison, I believe now. But regardless, at that time, before anyone knew he was going to prison, at that time, uh, he was a really productive tight end. He was coming off a torn ACL that year, uh, uh, earlier in 06 as well. But he had such a productive year in 07. Both Braylon Edwards and Kellen Winslow Jr. had over a thousand yards receiving. They both nearly, uh, Braylon Edwards, I want to say had 16 receiving touchdowns. Kellen, I want to say had about seven. So they were really both responsible for Derek Anderson's explosion. His career explosion, his most explosive season that year. They too were only responsible, were such responsible for the offense production and yards and points. And think about, it, I named, I can't even name other players on that year as compared to this current roster: Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, David Njoku. Before he was injured, Odell Beckham Jr. Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, right? Great players, I would say, in their own right. But it's, I find it utterly appalling and ridiculous that Derek Anderson had such an explosive year and Baker Mayfield has not. Granted, different offensive philosophies that, uh, in retrospect, right? Um, I can't remember his first name, but it was a guy named Chosinski or Chosnuski. Rob Chosnuski, he was the OC at the time, compared to Kevin Stefanski, who was the offensive play caller, but their offensive coordinator is Alex Van Pelt. But again, the offensive play caller is Kevin Stefanski, who has established the zone running scheme. The offensive philosophy is obviously um, running the ball. Building off the run, implementing the play action game, which is something that Kyle Shanahan has done, that Mike Shanahan has done, that Sean McVay has done. Even though in some games, Sean McVay has established the quick passing game. And as, and as evident in that Monday night game against the Bucks, at one point, he called like 29 pass plays and five run plays. I'm not sure if it was because the fact that they barely had success in those five run plays or from what, in my opinion, from what it seemed like was, Hey, we're going to throw the ball in this game because this defense is ranked first in, yard, in yards allowed. And even though I'm confident in our ability to run the ball, let's attack some of their weaknesses in that secondary. 
Let's get after them in a quick passing game. Both Cooper Cup and and Robert Woods had over 100 yards receiving, I believe, or at least both had double-digit receptions. And Jared Goff had a good game despite throwing two interceptions. But I'm just, and, I, and again, although I went in a side note with that game and with that offensive production and how Jared Goff played, again, I just want to emphasize Sean McVay, Sean Payton who doesn't run necessarily run the zone run scheme, but rather the gap run scheme, but still. Kyle Shanahan, zone run scheme. Kevin Stefanski, zone run scheme. And each quarterback within that system has such good production. I can name other coaches such as Matt LaFleur, even though you can make an argument they're more of a pass-heavy attack this year because they've had some struggles in some of the games to – Establish the run. Well, regardless, again, they're all similar schemes, except for Sean Payton running the knee gap run scheme. But again, I bring up the coaches is because the fact that that's what Kevin Stefanski has established. And again, those quarterbacks have had far better success than Baker Mayfield this year. And I do firmly believe that Baker Mayfield is surrounded by the most talented roster he's ever been and by the most talented roster in the NFL. I would put it on par with the Chiefs roster. And yet, they're 30th in passing yards. And I firmly believe it's because of Baker Mayfield's play. Again, take away that five-passing touchdown game against the Cincinnati Bengals, and he's thrown – 10 touchdowns and six interceptions with that offensive roster. And it's frustrating. And I firmly do believe that the Cleveland Browns organization currently with Andrew Barry at GM and Kevin Stefanski as the head coach is that they're going to have to make a decision on what they're going to do with Baker Mayfield. I don't think they're going to cut Baker Mayfield this upcoming 2021 season. Heck, I'm not sure they're going to sign his fifth-year option. I don't think they – I I don't think they will. So what are what are their options? They could trade for Matt Ryan, even though that's going to be a cap hit, which I don't think they'll do that. They could trade for Sam Don- Donald, but the Jets are going to want a lot of draft picks for Sam Donald, or at least – some high significant value picks, like a first rounder or a second rounder, which I don't think the Browns would do that. And if cut, would they sign Jimmy G, who, who has been prone to injury history, uh, which I don't know if they will do that. So it doesn't look like they have a, good, a lot of good options uh, for this upcoming year. So they may have to look, wait and see for the following season, for the 2022 offseason. Again, the Browns and their QB options and what they're looking at right now, their best option is, unfortunately, Baker Mayfield. And again, I brought up the 27 season, 27, I brought up the 2007 season, I brought up the 2014 season. And in, in this current season, both in all in the commonalities, both have arguably terrible quarterbacks. And 
this is why I published this episode and why I share my thoughts on is the fact that Baker Mayfield isn't playing well. The only reason why we're even successful at this point, or at least having success at 7-3, and three, is because of the strong running game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And at points in some of the games they played is a good defensive production, especially at the pass rushing uh, uh, level, not level, at the side of the ball. At the side of the defensive ball, their pass rush has been great as of late, and they forced turnovers. So that's my biggest worry is the reason why Cleveland won't make the playoffs is whether they have a dip in run production if Nick Chubb gets hurt again or, again, Baker Mayfield gets worse and worse and worse. And I think Kevin Stefanski is really doing his best with Baker Mayfield. He just He's not as strong arm as Sam Darnold, not as athletic as Lamar Jackson, definitely not as strong arm as Josh Allen. You can make an argument that he's far better than Josh Rosen in that 2018 quarterback draft class, especially in the first round. But still, uh, Cleveland's going to have to make a decision what they're going to do with Baker Mayfield this year or in the following year, whether it's 2021 season or the 2022 season. So I'm not sure what they're going to do. But again, it's it has me worried as a Cleveland Browns fan, knowing that we're at this position and we could blow it again like in 2014. Or we can go, you know, 10 and 6 and not make the playoffs. Uh, like the 07 Cleveland Browns. So that's what has me worried. And so really it's all dependent on how Baker Mayfield plays the next six games. The least he could do is not turn over the ball. If he doesn't turn over the ball, Cleveland has a better chance of being able to win some of their games. In which the last three games, Baker Mayfield doesn't turn over the ball, but in also the last three games, he has not thrown a passing touchdown. Again, you can attribute to that with it being weather, but Deshaun Watson, when they played against the Texans, threw a touchdown pass. And Carson Wentz threw, I want to say, a touchdown pass, or at least had at least 200-plus yards passing in that weather game against Cleveland. So, again, I only see Cleveland making the playoffs this year, as we've seen thus far, is a strong running game, not turning over the ball, and having good defensive production. So, that's it from today's episode. I may pay, publish one next week. Who knows? Um, but that's it. That's all I wanted to share. Again, I'll post over on my Instagram pretty soon when that episode on my YouTube channel is published. The West Coast terminology. I've been looking forward to sharing that with y'all. Um, I'll certainly catch y'all soon. Again, this podcast is slowly transitioning still to my Patreon account. But every once in a while, I will publish here on Anchor and on other streaming apps. So thank you all again for listening, and I'll certainly catch y'all soon. Take care, and uh, see y'all on the next episode, or at least on my YouTube video soon.